Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. Well, good morning, Richmond. What a beautiful day it is here in downtown Richmond at 308 Broad Street, the studios of WLE News Talk 990. This is your weekly business talk show, Richmond Biz Live. And uh, what we do is we focus on growing existing businesses. And the reason that we've selected you as opposed to startups and entrepreneurs is that this area, like most cities in the United States, do a very good job of helping out the startup entrepreneur, the incubators. Who, did it, who have they forgotten? Who have they neglected? They have neglected those of you who have been in business for a while. You got some inertia. You got some bad habits. You got some good habits. What we're here to do is talking about how to accentuate the good and make the bad go away. But most importantly, more than anything else, is it's time for your company to perform up to the level it should and pay you back for all of the years of no checks and all the blood, sweat, and tears that you invested in it, all of the grief that you've taken from family members because you were working rather than joining them on holiday. If that's you, you're in the right spot, and this is the best hour you can spend. And you can join us. A couple ways of getting here. One is you go to our website, richmondbizlive.com where you can watch this uh, streaming video and we'll kind of wave at you, Linda and I, or you can uh, dial up uh, uh, News Talk 990 AM on your radio dial and you can listen to the show. You can also access that from the website or you can call in 844-BIZ-LIVE. That's 844-B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. And uh, join us on our journey of improving Richmond's economy one business at a time. Okay, now... As we lead into this, even though this is show 13, and I shouldn't have to repeat myself, let's go there. Every segment, every topic is authored not only by a business expert, somebody who is a recognized expert either nationally or locally in their field, but they're also business owners. That what they're talking about is not something theoretical they picked up in college, though they may have got that background. This is how they're running their businesses. And that's what we do. Every every Saturday at 10.06, we start at richmondbizlive.com, and this is the place where you can come and get the information that you need to run the business. Okay, this week's focus is we're going to be closing out Season 1, and we've got Linda Heath talking about the culture of frugality as she pulls together all the issues around overhead, fixed cost, uh, variable cost, and pulls it together into one area. we got Eric McCama talking about how to become customer intimate as a strategy, then we have Mike uh, Carroll, and Mike is going to be here talking about how to enhance the skills of your sales force. And then I'm going to kind of end it up with, uh, as the business owner, talking about creating a culture of performance and collaboration. And we're going to pull all that together for you, and then I'll give you an idea of what to expect in Season 2. Okay, the last part of this is that uh, the reason this show started was I spent uh, many a Saturday morning working on the books and looking at the business and I said, you know what, this would be a great time to offer a radio show where we talked about, is the company on plan, meaning sales? Is the company on schedule, meaning are we meeting our production um, demands? Um, what's the status of cases, meaning customer complaints? How are we dealing with that? And are we our budget, which is about cash flow? And I thought, if that's where I'm at every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, 
that's probably where you are. And so with that, what I'd like to do is welcome back for her last show of this season, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. Hi, Linda. How are you? Good morning. Well, you do it to me every week. You mentioned just a few seconds ago about enhancing the good features and hiding the bad features and it reminds me of the time they sell spanks for that you know about spanks. oh yeah right? i know about it reminds spanks. Me the i don't time, wear them but it reminds me of the time i went shopping for spanks and i got it halfway down and i couldn't get it down or up and i was in the dressing room by myself but anyway um <laughs> you yeah you kind of threw there. me a, a curveball when you said that the culture of frugality because i'm thinking overhead burden and how does this all relate I, my concern is when you start talking frugality people's minds go to scarcity Right. And actually, you and I both know that to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a flaming optimist, and you have to believe in abundance, right? Right. Right. And, um, but what I, where I want to frame this is that actually you can develop thought patterns and habits that you're not aware of that can get in the way of getting what you want from your business. So the way I'd like to tee it up um, is to tell you a story about an adventure my brother Mac had couple of summers ago he lives in denver colorado he was going to take a road trip and go to maine to take a wooden boat building class and he knew he'd be going near canada right and so he took his passport and he thought yeah i'll take a little detour and he realized he was going to be in the french speaking section of canada um he did a lot of night driving and so he he'd gotten into canada and he was um approaching a small town early in the morning he said it must have been 500 you know small 500 person town had a huge cathedral at the end of the street the sun was hitting the the steeple and he found a little cafe now he'd been thinking about this all night and he knows that americans are uh, particularly hated by the french because we never try to speak their language so he was in the car driving practicing his uh merci beaucoup and his bonjour and he couldn't figure out how to say coffee in french but he figured if he tried hard enough he could get by with cafe Mm -hmm. so he he pulls up he can hear the sound of happy little voices in the cafe. He walks up the steps, opens the creaky screen door, creak, and he said as soon as his foot stepped over the threshold, the room went silent. So now he's walking <laughs> up to the counter, and he says to the, the woman, bonjour, cafe, por favor. And she says something to him, and they figure out, you know, is it to go or to stay? And she gives him his coffee, and he says, merci, and he leaves. And he said as soon as the door creaked behind him, all the little happy voices started again. So he drove down the road thinking, okay, we've got one point in the American column for international diplomacy. And he calls his wife that night all excited um, about his adventure. And, and she says, Mac, you said please in Spanish. Por favor. He slipped that in. So he was just crushed. And um, I thought, that, well, the takeaway from this is, and it really affects us in life as well as business ownership, um, we all have default positions. We all have habits that are ingrained in us. And my mom taught us to be polite, so he was going to say please. But a lot of times when we're out of our comfort zone, and if you're in a struggling business, mm-hmm. you you live out of your comfort zone. Right. There is no comfort zone, right? right. There isn't. You you're always, always outside of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, when you're in that comfort zone, you default to hidden habits or things you don't know that are there until they raise their head at the most inopportune moment. So that was uh, my brother did not realize he could speak Spanish, and he successfully proved that Americans are the country known for being only able to speak one language our own. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least he wasn't from Alberta, because then they would have hung him. Oh, good. (laughs) Because they don't speak French in Alberta. Oh, well, I'll tell him that. They're supposed to, but they don't. So the topic of overhead is, um, overhead, the way I would define that is the essential recurring expenses or assets that have associated liabilities that you've got to have for your day-to-day Right. So we call it overhead burden, but they actually are essential. You can't eliminate them completely. But the reason they're a burden is every time you increase and make another commitment for another recurring expense 
or uh, for an asset and the associated liabilities. It means that everybody in your company has to work harder just to get you the same cash flow and profit you had before. And I'm not sure that message always gets communicated effectively. No, in fact, that's how the companies get into trouble. Okay. Is as sales goes up, they allow the uh, their fixed cost or overhead cost to go up. And then what happens when you have a couple bad sales months and you're going, well, we used to make money last yeah, year don't. at this sales level. Now right. we don't. Well, you, you allowed it to creep. Well, That's, or, and I'm thinking on the productivity side, yeah. it's the fact that you allow the same level of productivity, although in raising the overhead for good reasons or bad reasons, you know, reasons that needs banks or don't, um, you haven't as, as gotten that new effectiveness out right. of the team. So, um, of course, my default position is always numbers. So when I started thinking about overhead, I kind of went back, okay, how do I put a numerical spin on this? And then I realized we've talked about um, different ways of calculating break-even already. And they can go back to the archives to hear that. We've talked about um, how you do that and figuring out the sales level needed. So if you're raising your overhead um, and you're not doing it strategically, you need to um, make sure your sales force and customer attention know that more is expected of them. We've talked about zero-based budgeting, and that is the situation where instead of just making incremental changes to last year's budget to set this year's budget, you actually go back and justify everything from ground zero. And I liken that to the sherbet that they give you between salad and meat. That's right, clean the the restaurant. Clean the palate. You want to clean your overhead palate. Um, And then we've also talked about the different ways that banks calculate cash flow and how important that is. And I really do think, well, what the banks want is for you to have more cash flow than you need to make their loan payment. And they actually see your overhead as competing right. with them for dollars. Well, and, it, and it is. It is, and exactly. And they know how they figure it out. And, I, and the one little commercial I would say is that we're in business to help people figure that out, how the bank is looking at your business. Right. Um, and they can go, you know, reach out to us through the website. But I don't want to talk about those things today. Because what you told me on Monday was mind-blowing, and I want to turn it over to you to tell them what you're experiencing in this engagement, and then I need 30 seconds at the end to um, okay. pull it, it together. Linda and I were talking Monday about um, next season and some of the things that we were going to do, and I shared with her a story right now that's going on in southwest Virginia. And uh, we, what we've done is uh, we, have been, we have assumed the role of VP, so we're number two in the organization. We're running most of the day-to-day operations. We've made some personnel changes in the operations job. We, we moved somebody from there into project management, and that guy was pretty studly about the whole thing because it was a demotion, and yet he took it well. And what we built is a team, and so instead of trying to implement Lean on the Floor last month or this month, you know, it's not July yet, <laughs> what we decided is we had to change the culture of, of the business, and we changed it by how we led people. We went on the floor, and the three of us basically have – changed the the whole atmosphere of the business and it's not to say that it wasn't that it was terrible before but we have a particular end game that we're working toward and so you know linda's going to talk about a culture of frugality that was part of it the the other part of the culture which i'm going to talk about on my piece is we want to create a culture of performance and collaboration and what we did is as whenever you make change you've got people who are on board and they're going hey this is about time and then you have people who are distractors Instead of going after the distractors, because in some cases they were well embedded and mm. it would have been dangerous to mm. the project, we what we did is the three of us created the team that you wanted to be on. Mm. And so we hold people accountable. We don't defer any answers. There are no maybes. It's yes and no. It's done immediately. We appreciate people when they perform. Uh, we got to give out uh, on, on uh, Thursday. We got to give a guy who'd been there a long time, gave him a promotion and a pay raise. 
What a wow. great 30 minutes. That, that's the best right. 30 minutes I've had right. in a month. Oh, is yeah. To be able to say to this guy, man, you're a stud. You've come through for us. We're going to promote you. And you're a part of the reason that we're going to turn, we're going to turn this situation around. What a great day. And so what we've been emphasizing on our side is the issue of, of performance and of collaboration. But we also have to get in the company the concept of frugality. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that it, you, because you got money doesn't mean you can spend money. How should you invest the money mm-hmm. back into business? Or maybe the owner ought to be taking some money home. Right. That, Bill, that's perfect. Thank okay. you so much. Because I really thought with the culture of frugality, we'd get into the, you know, how do you cut this out of the overhead? But it's really the idea of the culture. And what I've taken away from what you all are doing is this company is going to grow revenue 40% with the overhead of a much smaller company, the way you're going about it is they're not going to have to buy more overhead to support that growth. We potentially are going to sell a million dollars in July. In a month. In a month. And they've never and done that before. Six to 700K has been the best month. And do you realize how much by keeping that overhead where it is, um, because they're getting it out of the team, do you know how much money is going to fall to the bottom line? Well, the, the the owner, I think, has sugar plum fairies dancing in his head right now. Kind of taking from the, the Christmas song. There. Well, and so where I want to pull this all back together is um, I think our listeners, one way of dealing with overhead, which you really opened my eyes to a different approach, is getting more productivity out of your team, make, getting people the enthusiasm to be um, productive, effective, and efficient. And so my my word of wisdom to the owners today would be practice up on your your por favors, practice up on your mercies, practice up on your bitas and dankas, ah, yeah, and yeah. create that um, enthusiasm within mm-hmm. the company where people want to do more for you because they see the value. Business is a game. Unfortunately, most employees aren't in on it. All you got to do is get them in the game. Mm-hmm. And you do that with enthusiasm, optimism, directness, transparency. And caring. You care about them. You care. Because you know that without them, you're not going to make your numbers. Mm-hmm. Linda, great. Thank you. Thank good, you, Bill. Good seeing you again. I'm looking forward to starting the second season, which I'll be talking about here shortly. And with that, we'll be back. Hello, I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, my name is Eric McCalma, CEO of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts works relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audiences. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com or richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live. And if you want to get, contact us and get on the show, it's 844.bizlive. And in the second segment, 
we have Eric McCama from, from the Firestarter Group. And Eric is calling in because he has been on the road building his business. So uh, we've been lucky so far that uh, most people have been able to get in the studio. But Eric has been out on the road. Man, I understand uh, being dragged out. So how are you doing this morning, my friend? Oh, doing great. Uh, hello, everyone from Richmond. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great here in the studio. So, Eric, uh, where, where we're going today is, as as this is the last show of season one, um, what where we're going today is that the issue of how does how does a company become truly customer intimate as part of their strategy for their business? Absolutely. Well, becoming um, customer intimate, uh, I would say, actually starts with not only getting a better understanding of your your client base or your ideal client, but actually understanding why you even exist um, as a business, starting at the heart and soul of your, of, uh, your brand. And Firestarter, one of the things that we really talk about is is um, no one knows your business more than you, but one of the things that I would like to, to add on to that right now for the sake of, of answering the question is you have to have a full understanding, obviously, of, of having um, a, a great quality service, but at the end of the day, we are all providing solutions for for our, our respective uh, clientele. And I think if you get to the heart and soul of that, then you're essentially staying true to being true to who you are as a brand. Yeah, that's right. And you know, Mike talked a lot about it in that is that a lot of times we get locked into selling features, not focusing on the benefit of, to the client that we're selling to because the features are meaningless if there's not a benefit tied that they can see. Absolutely. There's always a solution to someone's problem, correct? That's right. Now, one of the things, actually, I also want to add to that is um, when you're providing solutions for individuals, we, I find that that, that is actually um, that, that is almost uh, a catch-22 also because what you don't want to find yourself doing is becoming like everyone else. And when you're creating a brand, you're always creating what we call a point of differentiation from others where you're differentiating yourself from your service offering with others' service offerings. And it's very important that you, you stay close to and being true to yourself because you don't want to become uh, a commodity just like everyone else. Um, it's very important to, to break on new markets with whatever product, service offering, or whatever you are selling as a business to understand that model um, very clearly because if you can't sell that to your, your own staff and your team and, and make them believe and live the brand, so to speak, then there's no way that you can connect with any market trying to sell whatever product service uh, offering you may have as a company that's right and 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 how do you develop that knowledge i mean what are some of the things that you guys do at firestarter to help a client make that transition absolutely well firestarter um you know most most firms um in our field um marketing advertising agencies uh business development uh companies you know they come up with a product and and even though the end result for us is to come up with with um what we call a, um, a basically a brand report, um, which essentially shows our clients, you know, what what it is that they need to focus on in terms of their brand strategy and, and even their business planning, um, which which leads off into marketing strategy and, and, and their financial planning and, and how they set their company up for its future goals. Um, we we take a, a very um, slow, methodical, uh, and very um, pinpointed process, which which allows us to, to get to understand our clients better. Um, like I said, no one knows their business more than them, and um, it's very important for us to understand all the ins and outs before we make an uh, an actual assessment. And we do that by uh, 
um, first diagnosing the problem, then analyzing uh, the issues, and eventually making recommendations in a process that we call the DAR. Okay. And, and I know, because you and I have discussed this several times, and you talked about it on the show, is that one of the ways to start this is by looking at your own base of customers and identifying who are the most profitable that you have so that when you look at the marketplace, you're looking for people that are similar or companies that are similar. Absolutely. Um, but, again, it's, it's always very important to remember, you know, why you're in business and finding your, your um, true service offering, um, which is essentially understanding the, the solution that you're providing for a problem that any market may have, correct? Um, yep. Furthermore, better understanding how you can take that to the public in a way that's, that's not just, a, you know, a one-time thing. It needs to be. It needs to be something that that's uh, long, uh, that's long-standing and sustainable. Right. Itself. And I think one of the things you hit on is that it's got to be core to your business because that that's always kind of the argument back and forth: is do we survey the market and build what it wants, or do we have a vision of what we want to create and then kind of go to the market? It's the old story of FedEx: is that if Fred Smith ever did a market study on who needed overnight. In the, in the late 70s, early 80s, you would have found that nobody would have bought it. Instead, he had this vision of what he wanted to create, and it wasn't until people went, wow, you mean I could get that there tomorrow guaranteed? And then suddenly, he, but he created the market because it was his dream, it was his passion. He didn't do market research to figure it out because if he had, he would have never done it. Absolutely. I think that is a great example of you know how to set yourself apart. Yeah, and you know, I, I I'm I'm trying to th- I can't get the names right, but I remember the uh, strategy book on Blue Ocean that came out about ten years ago, was, which was an excellent book. And what it basically said: there's two oceans. There's a red ocean, which is where everybody else is competing, and so you're constantly, you know, it's almost like a basketball game where it's all elbows under the basket trying to get the ball. And then there's the blue ocean concept of, well, maybe maybe let's go someplace where nobody's at with something that nobody does. And for a while, at least, the ocean will stay blue. And so it sounds like that's what you're suggesting to some degree f- for the clients when they look inside and say, what are they about? Part of that is, where, where is their blue ocean? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think you're referring to Professor uh, Chan Kim. Yep. Um, if, I, if I'm not Yeah, mistaken. and his colleague is that uh, I always struggle with my French, so I stay away from names that I butcher. But yeah. My name uh, my- Born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Renee. Right. Her first name is Renee, I know. Yes, absolutely, Renee, absolutely. So. Well, one of the things, you know, um, it's interesting you mentioned them because, uh, you know, that was published by Harvard Business School, and um, they're very well-known, well sorry. Um, yeah. And um, going back to even just simplifying that, that thought, um, as you build a business and, and, and create uh, a marketable product, service offering, uh, whatever it is, you need to truly stay true to the mission and vision. And the reason why that's important is because once you lose that, you become like every everyone else. And um, it, oftentimes I find this with my startup clients. Um, they always start off with a measuring stick. And I believe that if you put a bar or, or a ceiling to yourself, you're only limiting yourself to those that you're comparing yourself to. And, and I will say that even when it comes to market research and comparative analysis, um, sorry, competitive analysis in the beginning of your business, you also don't want to find yourself um, measuring yourself to a certain metric, which is, is 
essentially measuring yourself to all the other businesses that you're comparing yourself to. Uh, because at the end of the day, you need to stand out on your own. That is true. That is true. Uh, well, Eric, in the, in the last uh, minute here, what as you think back over the uh, seven shows that you've been in, you and Charles, uh, what, what's the, the tidbits that you would leave, the nuggets that you would leave with our listeners around brand and strategy? Well, I think the most important piece is, um, again, staying true to yourself um, and, and to actually put some, some real action items behind that. Um, you know, one, definitely take a deep dive into your, your, your own um, business plan, but also getting a full understanding about it. And two, it's not actually about just having a business plan or a brand strategy. It's actually the process of going about it. And three, fully understanding who you're really trying to reach out to. Because if you could get the number one ideal client, we, what we find is when, when you shoot at that target, you tend to get more clients that, that you desire as a company than not. And that helps and goes a long way. Okay. Well, thanks, Eric. And I greatly appreciate um, the, what you had to do to get, to get on the phone this morning. So I appreciate oh, well, that. I'm glad to be here. And uh, you take you take care of yourself. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. All right. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, if you need contact information for Eric, you just go to richmondbizlive.com and then go directly to our resources page, and you'll find mugshots for all of us. Yeah, in fact, I even think mine's on there, and you just click it, and it's hot-linked to everybody's website. So now what we're going to do is we're going to make the transition uh, from the strategy side and Eric's comments about trying to find where you ought to be in that sweet spot and now what we're going to be talking about is kind of a culmination of the last seven shows with my Carol on the sales force. And we're going to be focusing on enhancing sales skills because when we get into season two, the game is sales and Mike is the man. So Mike, good seeing you this morning. Great to be here, Bill. Excited always. Uh, great topic. In- <laughs> Enhancing sales skills? Yeah. You think you can do that one? Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a quick story. You know, when I first got, after spending 25 years in distribution, you know, very much transactional sales, and I said, okay, I'm going to go out and take all I've learned and have, where well, I got beat up and share with people. Maybe I can help them not make those mistakes. Right. Gotcha. Um, I got into, the, chose Sandler, great organization, uh, about sales training. Well, you know what people, when people think of sales training, they think about skills training. Yeah. And I want to just kind of pull this together, which will be a challenge. As you know, we always talk about, hey, you could talk for a day or two on this. But to try to get it into perspective, uh, when you look at, when you look at sales, skill training, sales right. skill training, uh, why it's important? Well, in today's business environment, it's just, it's critical. Because of the things we talked about previously, we, you know, we talked about market trends. Right. Well, market trends, and there's lots of examples. I know you mentioned uh, uh, Sheets yeah. and Wawa, and we talked about uh, Best Buy and, and Amazon and what's going on with the Internet. Well, all those trends really affect the behaviors of our customers. And, you know, we talked about, hey, we've got to We've got to be in the mind of the customer. That's right. You know, we need to try. So when I go back and kind of summarize that, I mean, it's really, uh, we need to try to be always figuring out what our customers need and want before they know that. That's right. And it, it, this traditional used card salesman with the, uh, with the, with the what is it, the, the Goodwill suit on, the plaid paisley suit, the slick back hair, 
that day is gone. The salesperson is a consultant to the companies that they sell to because what they're doing is they're trying to understand their markets and bring in the business owner because a lot of times a business owner doesn't have time, you know, basically to, to do a lot because they're in the crisis of the moment. If the salesperson becomes the trusted advisor, that's then you know what? They take the sales call. And, and that's that's got to be a constant goal for uh, your sales team is to how to become that trusted advisor. And the way you do that is you got to have the right skills. But, you know, we go back to those market trends and we see what they do to our customers, our sweet spot customers, and to other markets. It changes their behaviors. It changes the customer's behaviors, which means if we're not enhancing sales skills, revising, looking at what's working and what's not working, then, of course, why is it important to, to really – to be able to sustain business growth and so forth, you've got to be looking at your sales skills. Right. And, and it's, I mean, in the benefits of that, it's similar to the benefits of being on top of the market trends. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to uh, uh, penetrate existing ac- accounts. You know, by learning and seeing what they're doing and what they need, that gives you the ability to potentially offer additional products, right. uh, additional services, uh, so the, and that's key. I mean, you mentioned FedEx. I mean, that was a great story. I love that. Um, <laughs> I was sitting here listening, and my head was going different directions. But no, FedEx. So you look what FedEx, UPS. Look what they did logistically, and what the trends that they affect. So when our behaviors, when the customers, our our customers' behaviors change, we've got to be changing uh, in order to to maintain that growth, that loyalty. And you know, we talked about. Uh, looking at account management last session right. and identifying because when when behaviors change in a customer maybe the decision maker changes or uh, you're going into different areas and that drives additional skills uh, and you think about that we remember we talked about to be successful you know you you need to be calling on the right customer the right, right person in that in that account, in that account. and you've got to be at the right time with the right information. And, and today, the way things, technology is driving things, the cloud, the Internet, I mean, you've got a lot of variables that you've got to be tracking all the time. In fact, it's, 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 I think it's now the issue of the smartest people in your company have got to be in sales. Not to say that anybody else, that anybody else can be dumb, but the smartest people in the organization have got to be in sales because of what is to be successful, for your company to be successful, your salespeople have to do far more than they ever did. Right, right. And and I want to get into the skills here in a minute to kind of give people something to grab onto when you talk about selling skills. But, you know, when you really look at, if you look what the recession did to us, 08, 09, 10, right. the market shrunk. And what happened is companies were coming to me and saying, hey, our people don't know how to prospect. You know, we're not, we're not, we need to build or go out and win market share, but our people don't know how to do it. Well, that's because they had become reactive to the business was coming to them. whole different set of skills. Yes. And, you know, I, I do believe that recession will be known as the recession that made us great because I think the sales function, people really had to realize we've got to change the way we do things. And so when you, when you look at, hey, what are the real benefits of, of enhancing skills on a consistent basis 
or looking at them and revising them is that it gives you the ability to penetrate into existing market. Right. It gives you the ability to keep, uh, you know, to to keep the the top salespeople. Right. Okay. You're training them. They realize you're trying to help them be successful. So the benefits are there, and then of course the long term benefit is the success of your business. By you know, if it is, if we got to go win market share, we got to have those the right set of skills there. Uh, and then how we do that, and this is something I get really excited about. I gave you, a, I even brought a copy of this. Oh wow! This is this is patent. No, it's not patented, but <laughs> but it, <laughs> no, that call, means we can put it on the website. Well, right no, we call it the. Well, actually, got this from a Sandler guy in Chicago. Okay, I, he briefed us on it at school at Sandler School, and I almost fell out the chair. He calls it the sa- the constant sales improvement process. So yeah, we need to be enhancing skills. But what I learned quickly in this business when I got into the training is, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be understood before you start skill training. Number right. one, if a trend is changing, uh, you need to change your strategy to go to market. Okay, a mark when your sales strategy changes, it typically means that behaviors, activities, and behaviors are going to change. Right. Okay. So management, remember we talked long shows ago yeah. about exact management involvement. Okay, what is our strategy? What do our salespeople need to be doing to be successful? If it's account penetration, then they better be good at building relationships, bonding and rapport. Mm-hmm. Uh, they better be good at knowing how to, uh, good questioning techniques. If, if our market uh, strategy is to win market share, then we better be good at prospecting. Absolutely. Okay, networking, yeah. walking in, picking up the phone, asking for referrals. So once we get the strategy, Bill, then it becomes do we have the structure there. Right. And, you know, from structure, uh, that means do you have a good sales process so mm-hmm. that you can benchmark? Do you which, have – Which we talked shows, I think, the second, third, and fourth show we talked about. Right. We're all about sales process, right. managing the funnel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, do you know? Are we good at bonding report? Do we have and do we have the structure to keep that to to know that we we're tracking the KPIs to keep performance indicators? Are we doing the right things? You know, are we successful at them? Do our salespeople have the skill and technique to execute? Mm-hmm. So that's another thing you got to look at your staff. If you all of a sudden are asking them to do different behaviors, new skills, are you training them? Do you have a good manager that's coaching them, supporting mm-hmm. them, growing them? So. Hey, we're out of time. It's uh, a we great got, side. We got, we're going to have to go back next, whenever we do this again. Right. <laughs> well, we, it, because when we get into the second season, just a, the, as a reminder for everybody before we go to break, is that what we've been talking about for 13 weeks, since the first show back in the first uh, day in April, our first show in April, is that we've been talking about the 80% of the companies out there that are barely hanging on. They're, they're trying to survive. They're trying to get the break even. And everything that we've talked about in the show, in all the segments, but especially in marketing and sales, has been how do you get there. Now, starting on the 5th of July, we're going to start talking about, okay, you're there. Now how do you get into the 15% who are one or two moves away? It is all about marketing, advertising, and sales. And it's going to be essential that your sales force is ready to do it. And then on the other side of that, when Andy gets into this, Andy's going to be talking about, okay, now that you've done lean and you kind of got enough capacity to run the business, how do you get more capacity? Because nothing will kill you quicker than, you know, raising sales by 25% and then you can't make it. Absolutely. 
So what we've been talking about here is getting your company to the point where you're at break even, you're you've got enough money coming in, and now you're thinking, okay, now I'm ready to I'm ready to break through. I'm ready to take this to the next level, and that's where we're going, um, starting next week. So, Mike and Bill, anybody uh, has questions because it's really about getting the right behaviors, getting them executed. You know, we have all we have a saying: Linda's not around, I don't think, but we say, watch the numbers, manage the behaviors. Amen. Thanks, great, Mike. Great to be here, Bill. Okay, and we'll be back. Thank you. Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, The Three Biggest Sales Mistakes You Should Never Make. In this report, discover these unprotective sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. Okay, we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live, um, and you can go to our website, richmondbizlive.com, and on the homepage, you can see everything about how do you listen to the show, how you watch the show. Uh, you can go to our resources section to find out who's on. You can go to the section called Shows, and what that will give you is an idea of what we've covered over the last 13 weeks as we conclude the uh, first season. You can also go to the Contact Us, fill out the information, and... Uh, We'll get with you and start um, talking about how you can grow your company. So where am I at? Well, I'm in the my last segment uh, this season as owner is executive. And what I meant by owner is executive is that it goes back to a lesson that I I have relearned again in, uh, in a current client, and that is I have had the good fortune of not only being an entrepreneur, but I spent time in the military and I've been in the corporate world. And so I have seen how... As you get promoted in the organization and you move up, and, and you know, I'm talking about a big organization, military, it doesn't matter if it's military or, or corporate world, is that you have to change your role. You have to change how you do business because each level demands a different set of skills. And if you can't make that change, you can't go any further. Um, the challenge you have as a small business owner, if you don't have that experience, is that as the company grows, it is the same demands. And the same demands get placed upon you in terms of what you've got to do is that you've got to change your behavior. And so that's the reason for this particular segment is to get the owners to think more like executives. So let me conclude that with this. Uh, Linda and I talked about it earlier, and that is I've, I've come to the opinion over the years I've always thought that culture is kind of a, it's up to the client to determine what their culture ought to be, and then there's ways of doing that. I've changed my mind completely, especially now that I'm a vice president in a manufacturing firm tasked with in three months basically turning around performance and cost and et cetera, et cetera, we talked about. Uh, and that is, I think that there are three elements of a culture in a small business. One is a performance piece where you perform and you don't stay here because none of us in small business can survive without having people who are dedicated to, to working and getting the job done. 
there is a there is a a culture of or a value of collaboration because again we're small in number and if we have departments or groups of people who are not working together on something we're not going to get anywhere because we have limited resources we need people working together and collaborating and that's how we're going to build the business and then the third one is the one that Linda talked about and it's a culture of frugality and frugality is not an issue of scarcity it's simply to say should we spend the dollar and if we can't support spending the dollar, then let's not spend the dollar. And if we spend that dollar, what's the implication? Because if we have to consistently spend that dollar over the next couple years, what happens if the sales go down? Because if you look at, and, and this is just an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, factoid, but I have incorporated it in my business, is this. All of the companies that have started during recessions or depressions, major downturns in the U.S. economy, most of those companies are still here. A vast number, a larger number of those are here than the companies that start in good times. And the issue there is if you start in bad times, you learn to be frugal because you cannot be anything else. These companies that start off with the Internet, you remember the Internet bubble of about uh, 15 years ago, they start off this money, they get the buildings, they get the monuments to themselves, they get the furniture, they get the cars, and then what happens? They go bust. When you're, when you're, when you're squeezing a dollar to where George screams, that is the type of environment that successful businesses are built in. And I'll talk about that in the next season in terms of how to create a culture. But I, I really think that if you looked at your company, the three, the three elements of your culture is that it's about performance, which means you hold people accountable, you tell them what you expect of them, and you hold them accountable. Number two, collaboration. We have scarce resources. we got to work together. And infighting between groups and departments is not allowed. And number three, we have a culture of frugality. And what that is about is that we spend our money wisely because you never can tell if sales vary, if, if there's a great deal of variance in sales, then we suddenly could be upside down um, simply because we've had a couple bad sales months. So take that into consideration. This will be up on our website. Uh, and the thing I'd like to do before I kind of close out the season um, is that one of, the, one of the individuals that we have not recognized on the show, and that's my fault, is our producer. Now, if you call me up, I call myself the executive producer of the show because, quite frankly, I don't know what else to call myself. But this guy is the true producer here. And Billy's been with us all this season. He's going to be with us all next season. And I want to recognize Billy Flynn here at uh, WLE News Talk 990 as a, as a killer guy and a great engineer. So, Billy, your turn. Well, uh, well, thank you, sir. It's It's been a pleasure. It's an interesting watch you. It's been interesting to watch you take this show and develop it and refine it the way you have because – I've ran a lot of shows in my time. I've ran a lot of shows in my time. And, you know, it's, I'm a very honest person, so this, I, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to get in good with you when I say this. Starting a show, you were the most prepared person to start a new show I've ever, I've ever seen. Oh, wow, because I didn't solicit this. I, 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 I was just honoring your work. Oh, is that what it was? I, I, want, I, was, I wanted to honor your work here. I appreciate that compliment. Well, I just want you to know that because, because, yeah, because uh, I've seen a lot of people, the, a, a problem that sometimes people have with a show is it's hard for you to step outside of what you do to see how other people would be able to relate mm -hmm. to it. And I think you've done a good job of breaking that down for someone that's not as on, on, the, on the management involved in and on that side as like you might be and be able to show them how to do that because... A lot of the interests I have, I've got this, I, I do trivia, I host trivia gigs at places, I've got a band that we play around on, and I've got a podcast that uh, is, is huge in Slovenia. 
huge in well, Slovenia. You, you need to publicize all this. By the way, we share a love of Katie Sackhoff. Oh, absolutely, we do. That that oh, she is so gorgeous. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, just sitting here, just listening to you guys, even when I'm, there's other stuff I'm looking at and doing, you know, there's things that even I've picked up on, and and I've taken some of the thought processes, uh, and and actually implied that to something as silly as my podcast. Like, you know, getting that feedback, trying to get more uh, of, of, of listening to an audience and finding ways to listen mm-hmm. to the people that are my clients. My, my podcast is free, but I still want people to listen to it. I mean, you could buy a T-shirt, so I guess I, there is a money-making possibility. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll buy a T-shirt. Sir, well, thank you. And, you know, so I've taken some of these ideas and the thought process behind it and how to better streamline what we do internally before we ever turn on the mics. And, and I just, I really like what you've done because... You know, a lot of times, uh, yeah. Here, here's a horrible admission. A lot of times, you know, for some shows, I'll sit here and I'll just like tune out and <laughs> look at the internet because, wow, people just go on and on. But no, it's been it's been pretty fun. It's been a pretty fun time. Well, I appreciate that, and it, yeah, that was totally unsolicited. I just I felt like we hadn't honored you because nothing happens in the studio well, see, without that- you or Jim Jacobs or the people here who work at WLEE. And we have not recognized anybody. Well, and that, that's another thing of what I'm thinking of. Because you, you automatically, before you ever started, were thinking in levels that a lot of people don't. I, I know I've worked with some people that they like to thank the people that work along with them. And there's some people who do shows where, as far as they're concerned, I'm a monkey pushing buttons. So, <laughs> so, so thank you for even considering it in the first place. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Billy. Yeah, I know, and a lot of things we have in common because he's, he's really into sci-fi and and I grew up with Star Trek. I mean, I've got Star Trek in my bones. Now, when your father works at the Kennedy Space Center right. on the moon program <sighs> at the time that Star Trek comes out and you're a young adolescent, mm-hmm. um, it, it has an impact on you. And, and to this day, if Star Trek's on, I'm going to watch it because it takes me back to when I was a kid and my dad's working at the Cape. Well, then, can I, can I tell you a yeah. very off-topic story, then? Yeah, please. There's a convention I go to every Labor Day in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Dragon Con. Huge gathering of geeks. And one year I'm there, Walter Koenig, check off yeah, himself as one of the guests. And one night he's sitting up at the bar. There's this bar just in the middle of the hotel in the lobby. It's the sailboat bar, we call it. He's just sitting up at the bar. So I work my way over and say hi to him because at one point we were working on getting him as an interview for my podcast and timing fell through or whatever. And so I told him that and I you know, was like, and I just wondered if he would do a, a little drop for my podcast because I had a recorder with me. And he recorded a little line for my show, which was awesome. And then it was over. I was like, well, thank you so much. I'll leave you alone. I was like, but could I buy you a drink or something? You know, was, and he's like, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. And I looked at him and I went, not even a shot of vodka? <laughs> and a big grin popped out on his face, and I did a I did a shot of vodka with Walter Kane. Oh right! <laughs> oh man, that's pretty good. Because the, the guy I always wanted to talk to was um, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart, because yeah. as much as I like Kirk, Kirk was never a ship's captain that I had experienced. But uh, I spent uh, seven years at sea uh, while I was in the military, and John Picard is a ship's captain. Okay, that's a ship's captain. That is, he played that perfectly. He played it just like. You would, I have experienced the good captains with Jean-Luc. So, well, what that does, well, there we go. My time, my stopwatch went away. Let me, let me finish out my last six minutes. Thanks, Billy. And uh, we're going to, Billy and I are going to be together for the next 13 weeks. Um, let me talk about what's going to happen next. As I said with Mike Carroll, I, I think I said um, uh, also with Linda is that in the first 13 weeks, our focus has been on those of you out there, existing businesses, been around for a while, and getting through tough economic times. I mean, the, the company that I'm working with in southwest Virginia, 
The economy went south for them in 2007, and it's only coming around now. Now think about that. Seven years. Just how good that owner of that company is. Even though we're in there and we're helping them, there's a lot of things to fix. How good that owner is because he's still here. And most of his competitors are gone. If you're still here, most of your competitors are gone. And now it's the time to ramp the game up. So if you have not listened to, if this is your first show or your third show, you download all of the shows, all 13 of them, and the last one will be up today. You download those shows and you listen for areas where you can pick up some information about how to get your business back on track so that we can take it to the next level. And that's been our focus. When we start on July 5th, the July 5th show is going to be broadcast live, and I'm going to be doing that myself. There's going to be nobody in the studio. First 30 minutes, we're going to be talking about what we did in Season 1 so that you can backtrack. I will actually go through and say, if you're interested in this, this, and this, go to show number 4 or go to show number 7 and listen to so-and-so. So I'm going to give you kind of a of the table of contents of what we've done. And then in the second half of the show, I'm going to give you the table of contents of what's going to come up in Season 2 in the 12 remaining shows, and the whole focus there is, okay, I'm now in the 15%. I'm doing all right, but I really don't know where the future is, and I want to break through. I want to take this business to the next level. What do I do? And our emphasis in the second 30 minutes, um, the fifth, is going to be talking about what those shows are going to be and who's going to be on, and then, of course, on the 12th, we'll head in that direction. Now, let me talk about um, season number three, which will start in October. Uh, I'm an old corporate guy, so I think in quarters. So that's what's happening here. Every quarter is 13 weeks. Um, in October, when we start the last quarter of the year, here's what's going to happen, and that is we're going to be talking about the breakout. Okay, you finally achieved it. You're at the top of the heap. You're in the 5% of the elite companies, uh, in, whether we're talking about the Richmond marketplace or we're talking about the national marketplace or even international. How do I sustain that? And October, November, December is all going to be about sustaining that. It's also we're going to be talking about if you're at that point as an owner that you're thinking, maybe it's time to go. Maybe it's time I need to be thinking about how I'm going to be checking out. We're going to focus on how to do that and how to get your money out. But understand, we've been thinking about that all of this season because what we've been doing is getting you prepared for it. So to close out, to summarize our first season. First 13 weeks of the year had been, you're the 80%, you're trying to survive, you're trying to get the break even, and you're trying to move up to the next level. If you take some of the hints and some of the tools that we've given you, um, you'll get there. Number two is that then next season is going to be about, all right, I'm there, how do I move on? And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to create a brand new segment on the webpage called Nuggets. And so every session each, spe- each speaker is going to come in, or each uh, uh, sponsor, I should say, is going to come in and talk about nuggets, three, four, five nuggets that go along with their session that you can download and use immediately. And then, and, uh, and hopefully what you'll do is we'll get you there. We will get you to that level as well as we walk through this together. And then finally, on the last uh, part of, this, of the third season, which will be at the end of uh, 2014, we'll say, okay, you're there, now how do you stay? Now, if you follow this along, what should be happening is you should be moving along as a business. Uh, so with that, I'd like to say to all the listeners for the last 13 weeks, we greatly appreciate the first season. I appreciate the, the call-ins. I've appreciated the uh, emails that we received, uh, the feedback that I've gotten on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, and by the way, we're in all places. You All you got to do is put in Richmond Biz Live, 
and you'll find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on Twitter. All the feedback that we've received from everybody, we greatly appreciate that. And we've been incorporating that. We're going to start powwowing here next week on the format for Season 2, and uh, I'll be announcing that on the 5th. And so uh, I, I don't know what else to say to you other than greatly appreciate your time and your interest. Uh, our phone number is 844-BIZLIVE, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E, or um, 249-5483. And the reason I'm giving you a phone number is when we're off the air, doesn't mean that the phone's not being staffed. Uh, call in that line anytime, and we'll be there, or go to the website, hit the contact page, and uh, we'll get right back to you. So with that, uh, wealth and prosperity to everybody, and have yourself a great weekend. This is Richmond Biz Live signing off. Your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week.